This episode of the podcast is sponsored by our friends at Five Wives Vodka and Podcasting is Easy. We're going to be telling you more about them throughout this episode. All right, let's welcome everybody out to a brand new episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. If this is your first time here, and I know there's a couple of you out there, and you're like, what is this podcast I'm about to listen to? What is this podcast all about? Well, this podcast is all about showcasing awesome people right here in Salt Lake City. We're talking to musicians, authors, business owners, food truck owners, breweries, distilleries. I think you guys get the idea. We're talking to anyone that might have a cool story to share. Let's welcome everybody out today to episode 372. My name is Chris. I am sitting across the table looking at my co-host, Christina. How are you doing over there? I'm doing so good. I really enjoyed talking to this guest. We got to sit down this week and chat with Cynthia Fleming from the Salt Lake Acting Company. We got to find out what got her into theater and what eventually led her to Salt Lake Acting Company. Really great story. So honored to get her on the podcast. We're recording today in beautiful downtown Salt Lake City in our podcast studio, which is located in the back of Empire Merchandise. Empire Merchandise is located at 680 South State Street. And not only does Empire have an amazing selection of vape juice and vape accessories, but this is where you can actually come and purchase your very own I Am Salt Lake podcast t-shirt. So stop on in, check it out, and pick up a t-shirt while you're here. We want to personally extend our invitation to all of you to come join our Facebook group if you haven't yet. We have an amazing community of listeners, and we would love you to be a part of it as well. You can find the group by searching for I Am Salt Lake community inside of Facebook, or you can just type IamSaltLake.com forward slash group, and that will forward you right to the Facebook group. Before we get into this conversation with Cynthia, I want to tell you about one of our awesome affiliate partners that we work with, HostGator. If you are unfamiliar with what HostGator is, HostGator, I believe, is truly the best web hosting service provider, whatever you want to call it, out there. And let me tell you why. Okay, we chat with a lot of businesses on this podcast, and we find out that a lot of you don't have a website. You feel that, well, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on social media, why do I need a website? Well, you need your own space on the web. Having your own website allows that. What if Facebook was to close down tomorrow? What if Twitter was to close down tomorrow? How are your customers going to be able to find you? Hey, that's where a website comes in. Head on over to HostGator.com, grab yourself a website, but use the promo code SALTLAKE This is going to give you 30% off of your very first month. Or sign up for two years, save yourself 50%. You're supporting the podcast. You're getting a discount on your website. HostGator.com is where you need to go. Use the promo code SALTLAKE and grab yourself 30% off your first month of hosting with them. All right, let's jump into that conversation that we had with Cynthia Fleming when she came and sat down with us to share her story. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the conversation. Where did you grow up? Did you grow up here in Salt Lake City or where is uh where did all that magic happen for you? I grew up in Bountiful, Utah, and um my father's parents came from Lebanon to Bountiful. Uh, and to look at me, you're going straight you- to Bountiful? Huh? Straight to Bountiful from No, Lebanon. actually, I think I think his my grandfather's cousin or brother. Sorry. Might have stopped in Washington, D.C. area, and then for some reason, my grandfather came back out west, and and he um, worked at Kennecott Mines. 
And he heard about there might be a farm, some farming in Bountiful, and that's how he got there. And he was quite an entrepreneur as as well, kind of, I don't know if he really found himself, but he had four sons and four daughters, and they all were extremely successful. And um, my grandmother was 16 when she married him, and he came out first, and then she joined him. Oh, actually, they they first, um, before Bountiful, they lived, they had a, a dress shop in Salt Lake City. How cool is that? Oh, and (laughs) this is all coming back to me. No, you're good. I'm at an art gallery, 2nd, South, and 5th West. And my dad, we had some relatives in town, and we were driving. And it was right after I saw reading at this art gallery. And my dad points and said, that's where my house was, where I grew up in Salt Lake City. And I'm like, what? I had just sat there last week, not knowing that you had grown up. You know, that's (laughs) That's where they were born. So they first were in Salt Lake City before they uh, went to Bountiful. And uh, So you've seen a lot of change in this city throughout the years. Yes. I mean, you've been, sometimes we'll bring people on that maybe have only lived in the area for, say, even five or 10 years. Yes. But you've been here for a minute. You've seen a lot of change. Well, all I want to do is get out of Utah my whole life as a child. I just wanted, I knew there was more and I never felt like I fit in. So I finally did get out in the late seventies. And that was, you got out because you got into theater, right? Yes. Yes. How, well, let's, how, what, what even got you into theater? So my mother, well, here I am seven years old, very tall, pigeon-toed, gawky, and my mother was Miss Utah. As a matter of fact, my dad emceed the Miss Utah pageant that my mom won. Is that how they met? That's how they met. Oh, cute. So my mother had told my grandmother when they were at the contest, she pointed at my dad and said, that's the trophy I want to bring home. And she did. You know? Wow. (laughs) So anyway, so imagine being Miss Utah, and she was beautiful and perfect. And then this daughter, this pigeon-toed and gawky. And and also, I'm blonde. And, you know, not a lot of my Lebanese relatives and being tall and blonde, it's like they would look at me and go, well, she carries herself well. Like, you know, I, w- I was really kind of plopped down into this world that I felt like I didn't belong. But my mom did give me the gift. She heard ballet would help me being pigeon-toed. And um, there was a a dance school uh, that was in a small little house that that the American Legion meetings would um, be held. And uh, Rocky Spolstra taught it. He was part of Ballet West, which at that time was Utah Civic Ballet. And so it's very strict. And nobody danced in those days. You know, now, you know, children are growing up. There's uh, dance classes everywhere. Yes, yeah. and they're growing, they're coming out of the womb performing nowadays, <laughs> you know, and they come from these functional households. And I kind of was glad. Oh, I do come from a functional household that you, the best you could of that generation. But a lot of us in theater found each other because we didn't feel like we fit in. We were lost. Anyway, the ballet, which I kept a secret until I was in junior high, gave me a purpose in a sense And then my teacher said, and all my friends were always little tiny girls, and my teacher said that she would be the prima ballerina and I would be the featured dancer. 
and not knowing that that's pretty good. But at that time, I'm going, why am I working so hard that I can only be featured? And, and that's when I saw Sweet Charity, the musical, and Bob Fosse's dancing. And I was like, that's me. That's this what is- you want to do. Yes. And so I was very shy. I could hardly say my name. And now I want to be a musical theater where you have to sing, you have to dance, and you have to act. And luckily, another beautiful thing about Utah my mother enrolls me in a summer dance camp up at the University of Utah where they introduced us to modern ballet, character dancing, and jazz dancing, which Roland Butler taught. And he just passed away a couple of years ago, and he is the reason why I had any career in musical theater. So how old were you when all this was happening, when you were getting into, you said seven? So I started at seven, and then the dance camp was at 12. At 12. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't obviously until you were 18 that you started touring with the theater, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know how to really Where's get- Where's the transition yeah, from yeah, dance yeah, yeah, to theater? Yeah. Right. Like what, yeah. what got you into all of that? So um, I went to the University of Utah, and they at that time, because of Roland Butler, they had this cool program- where you could be a ballet major, a, th- a theater major, a music major with a musical theater emphasis. So I started as a ballet major with a musical theater emphasis. And what the cool thing is, Roland got every department to talk to each other. So that's impossible. And it's, I've taught up, I've been lucky enough that I did teach a, a class up at the university, but that could never happen now. Sure. And um, so we, who I could not sing, I'm taking singing lessons from Naomi Farr, who teaches opera, who teaches like the opera students, you know, and here I can, I'm had, I really a terrible pitch. And so, and then Roland also introduced us to a, a dance school in LA, Roland Dupre Dance Academy, and they, the teachers from them would come up and teach us. And then Pioneer Theater, as we know it now, was Pioneer Memorial Theater, and they hired a lot of students in their musicals, a lot of community actors, and maybe one or two New York or out-of-state actor. And um, I was paid my tuition every time I was in a play, and we were in a quarter at that time. And that inspired, and we'll, we'll go forward, um, Salt Lake Acting Company's University Professional Theater Program from that experience. But so I got all this amazing training. When I was a freshman in, in college, I became friends with my first gay friend, Kurt Thompson. Here in Utah. Here in Utah, who I finally felt I have a true friend. Sure. You know, because growing up in Bountiful and not being Mormon and... and it's, It was a challenge. Yeah. And women and young girls in those days, you know, it's not this kind of like we're all in it together. Mm-hmm. We never were in it together. And um, so... Uh, Where did you meet him at? He was in the theater department. Oh, so I changed from a ballet major to a theater major because I was thin, but they wanted me to lose about 20 more pounds. And of course, your freshman year, you gain weight. Oh, and then they jumping you so much, the, the teacher that I had, <laughs> and that's why I got shin splints. And I realized I can take as many dance classes as I want being a theater major. So I became a theater major. And Kurt, so my maiden name is Fidel. And uh, so I was Cynthia Fidel at that time. And because Kurt and I were such special friends, uh, we had nicknames for each other. So he 
start calling me Thea, the last part of Cynthia. And so I told him, when I become professional, I will be Thea Fidel. I used to practice my autograph. And um, so when I got into a chorus line, I um, actually had my headshot and Cynthia Fidel was on there and I blacked out the CYN. So that's when I um, became Thea Fidel for a while. Very cool. What was the very first, do you remember the very first theater production you were in? Yes. At the university, it was, I had to audition the summer before I was a freshman, I believe. And it was Kismet. And they had the original woman that worked with Jack Cole on on the choreography. So we had the original Jack Cole choreography. And I had to move my head from side to side. And that's and Roland is one who told us all about it and told us what we had to do. So I had to practice because my neck would not move that way. So I practiced and practiced and practiced. And then I got into that play and looking back on it now, it's so we would, I of course would never even put myself into the play because <laughs> we ha- we put Texas dirt all over us so we could be brown. And yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was a lot <laughs> in those days. I mean, you know, that's still unfortunately happening, but from the last five to 10 years. But it was very culturally accepted then. It right? was, but I look was. back at it now. You better? You no, know. nobody yeah. knew any better. But anyway, it was an, an amazing experience. I could imagine. So when did it, uh, you know what, actually, let's take a break here. Okay. Play a couple of messages here from our sponsors. And then I want to get into like kind of what it was like to tour okay. with the theater. Because I imagine that that would be a little rough on life, but we'll get into that when okay. we come back. So hang tight. It's that time of the podcast where we take just a couple of minutes of your time and tell you about our awesome sponsors. Now, remember, when you support our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast. So support a sponsor. Keep our lights on. Hey, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by the very local, the very delicious and the very tasty Five Wives Vodka. The next time you head on over to the state liquor store, pick up a bottle, pick up an extra bottle for your neighbor or the next time you head on over to your local bar. Ask for Five Wives Vodka by name, because if you didn't know by now, every time you take a shot of Five Wives Vodka, you are supporting this podcast. There are three different flavors. Christina and I are going to tell you about them here. They have the original. This is the one made from Utah Mountain Spring Water. It's 100% distilled corn spirit, and it's gluten-free. It's interesting because the spring is hidden in beautiful Ogden Canyon, which makes it inaccessible by vehicle. So they're hiking this water out five gallons at a time. And if you like a little more flavor in your vodka, they also make Sinful. Five Wives Sinful is a flavored vodka with a delicious cinnamon taste. And it's not like other cinnamon products that give you that cinnamon candy taste. Sinful is like a morning cinnamon roll, and it only has 76 calories per ounce. There's also the Five Wives Heavenly. This is another one of their flavored vodka, but this one has that delicious vanilla taste. Heavenly's rich, buttery vanilla flavor, it comes through without coating your taste buds with sugar, and this results in more vanilla and less calories. Head on over to their website, fivewivesvodka.com. This is where you can find out more about them, find out their history. I think there might even be some recipes there. But like I said in the beginning, just head on over to the state liquor store, grab a couple bottles. You never know when you might need one. It's always great to bring one to a friend's house when you're visiting, right? Exactly. Or just head on over to your local bar and ask for Five Wives Vodka by name. And many thanks to Five Wives Vodka for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And cheers. Right, guys? Clink. 
All right, this episode is also sponsored by Podcasting is Easy, which you can find at podcastingiseasy.com. I know there's a lot of listeners. You are looking to possibly launch a podcast. Maybe you already do a podcast and you're like, I don't have time to edit my podcast. I don't have time to market my podcast. That's where we come in at Podcasting is Easy. This is actually Christina and I's company. I handle all the podcast editing. I handle the podcast marketing. I will also coach you on how to start a podcast. And I'm kind of the nerd behind the computer for you guys. So if you need artwork or a podcast website, that's what I'm here for. There's so many different aspects to podcasting that we really are able to cover all the bases to help you out. Head on over to podcastingiseasy.com. We actually have a really cool resources link. It's going to give you some great information on equipment you might need to buy to start a podcast, maybe even where to host your podcast. It's right there. Or better yet, you can schedule a free 15-minute phone call with us where we will figure out if we can help you get this podcast launched or we'll figure out if maybe I can help you edit your podcast, whatever it takes, right, to get this podcast going and launched and out for the public ears to consume. So with that being said, many thanks to Podcasting is Easy for sponsoring this podcast. Let's jump right back into that conversation that we had with Cynthia Fleming. Enjoy. You were mentioning uh, wanting to get out of Utah in the beginning as a young as a young child. Uh, I'm sure your teenage years, well, that was where I was going to lead up to was, was that the opportunity to start touring with a theater? Because you did that for a while. Yeah, with a chorus line. Was, I, got, I moved to LA first and then I got into it. Was that was, well, my question is, was that one of the reasons you jumped into that? Because you're like, oh my gosh, this is my opportunity out of Utah. What was the reasoning there? Or did you just okay. think that was part of what you needed to do as if you were involved with theater? Does that make sense? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, was it an opportunity for you to leave or was it? I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I left the first. Okay. So I can okay. talk a little about how I finally did get out. Well, how did you get out? How, so, what, what is your secret? This well, <laughs> the escape plan. What um what happened was I felt that I I was getting the parts or getting involved in the theater, like everything I auditioned for here, uh-huh. I would get it. And all of a sudden I had this gut feeling that it I literally hurt that I had to get out of Utah and it now's the time. And I was, I wanted to move to LA and be near that dance studio that Roland Butler opened our eyes to. So I told my mother, I want to move to LA. And we packed up a car. My brothers uh, drove me out and I got an apartment near the dance studio and I was taking five or six dance classes a day. And then I would sometimes would take an acting class or, or singing. And I had little jobs here and there. And after a year, my mother said, who was paying for my apartment said, um, you've got to get work or you have to come home. And I'm like, I'm not coming home. <laughs> you, you didn't, because you didn't want to come back to Utah. I did not want to come back to Utah. Did so, you feel like a lot of the reason was that you kind of like hit the glass ceiling in Utah? Like you couldn't continue to grow as a performer? I felt, I think I did. It was interesting. It was like, I, I felt that it's now time for me to really get paid for doing this, you know? Yeah, and you yeah. felt like you couldn't do that here. Right. And, and luckily, you know, my parents, they should have, you know, I, I, I had one more year to finish my degree and I didn't do it because I was like, I got it. I just need to get out. And they just supported that, which was great. That's really amazing. I know. 
And so I started auditioning and I got into this Hollywood dancing show, did that. And while I'm doing the Hollywood dancing, a chorus line auditions. And now it's 1979. A chorus line is four years old. I said, it's a really old show and I probably don't fit in, but I've got to audition, right? And I had absolutely nothing to lose. And there were 150, they had two days of 150 girls auditioning. And it started at 10 o'clock in the morning and you first had to state your name and do a time step, double pirouette, and then you were kept or not. Then we did a ballet combination and then I was kept. And then they did the jazz combination and I'm like, I might have a chance with this. So then it all of a sudden I started kicking in a little bit of the nerves because before I had no nerves. And then they only kept 10 of us to sing at the very end. And now it's six o'clock at night. And singing out of all my talents was my weakest. And I started to sing my song and they stopped me after about five notes. And I'm like, yeah, right, fine. But then they said, would you go over to uh, the piano and sing Music in the Mirror? And Music in the Mirror is Cassie's song. Music in the Mirror is something that I just completely relate to because it's all about just being a, I like, I could rehearse and I still am the same. I could rehearse every single day, every day of my life. I love just the rehearsal process. I love working towards something. All I need is the music and the mirror and the chance to dance. It was just so me. So I sang and the sound came out that I've never really heard before. It was like, good. So anyway, I was the only one hired out of the 300. Wow. Yeah. How did that make you feel? Well, scared. I've always been Mm -hmm. to the, I'm always more comfortable. And And I've been working on this all my life. So I've really worked on when the opportunity came for me to be in the leadership of Salt Lake Acting Company to be like, okay, comfortable with with that. Instead of I'm really used to just working really hard to get there. I was more comfortable trying to get there than getting there. Actually being there. Yeah. That challenge of getting there. Yeah. Well, and it's something it keeps you motivated. And once you've kind of hit something that you've been aspiring for, you're like, oh. What do I do now? Like, what do you do? Yes. And you kind of feel then all the insecurities come in. Am I oh, good yeah. enough? Do Imposter I really? syndrome kicks in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All of that. All of that. It was great. I under, started as an understudy. And so you had to learn all. I had at that time three roles. I, I do have four under my belt. Um, but it was touring. People took vacations. People got sick. So we went on a lot. So the experience was everything. And then we went to San Francisco and then we were going to do some shorter tours and I heard, and we were going to go to Salt Lake City. And I told my mom, and this is 81 when the Capitol Theater just was renovated. One of the first, I don't know how many renovations has been through, but I told my mom, I can't go to Salt Lake being an understudy. So if I don't get on the line, I will go to New York. And I had $2,000 and she's like, fine. Wow. I can't believe that. What a cool mom. (laughs) I know. But luckily, the auditions for Judy Turner, Judy Turner was being, it was like the army because there was like three tours in the city, in the the nation. And so we were like the army. They would ship us to the national tour or the international tour or this. So the Judy Turner was being moved to someplace else and we had auditions. And so I got Judy Turner before um, Salt Lake City. So I got to, so I stayed. So- 
Was that hard being on the road all the time? That's what I'm curious of. Like sometimes I'll go like even a road trip, a three day yeah. road trip or, or, or something, you know, to me, Game that's a long time. Like, everything. yeah. Like, did you ever feel like, gosh, I need to just establish roots somewhere? Well, I think I was young enough that I didn't know any difference. Yeah. And I was so excited to have this job. But I, I did quit a few times and then they would call me back. But it has affected, once I finally moved back to Utah, it has affected me in the fact that I don't really, the need to travel now. Isn't so much. Yeah. So it's like, I felt like I got it out of my system. I didn't get to go internationally as I'd hoped because um, I was asked to go to the New York company and I land, I stayed in New York. I was in the show from 84 to 90. So a lot of the touring was happening while I was in New York, but it kind of made me feel like just getting roots somewhere and being happy, being grounded, you know, that way. It is good to kind of get it out when you're a little bit younger and go explore and really chase everything yeah, so that you can really just appreciate being back in Salt Lake now. Yeah. Well, that was my question is here you are, you're young, you're like, I want to get out of Salt Lake. I got to get out of Utah. But then you come back. Yeah. And now, I mean, you know, you love it, obviously. I mean, and been back for a little while. Yes. What what got you to come back to Salt Lake? So on the road, I had met my now husband in Chicago, and I quit to marry him. And then I had a child. And this I lived in Chicago at this time. And when Anthony was a year old, that's when A Course Line called me back. And I... So this is interesting about being a woman and the generation that I am. I was, I got off the phone and I said to my husband, I said, look, I am a wife. I'm a mother. I can't go do this on Broadway. I can't. He said, pack your bags. We're Good going. for him. I know. I mean, Man, you have been surrounded by the most supportive, amazing people. That's I, incredible. I know. If he would have said, if he would have agreed with me. Yeah. I, my life would have been completely different. Wow. So here we are. I'm with this one-year-old going to New York. And the first time I was in New York is when they did a makeover for me when I became Cassie on the road. And my eyes were like this big. I mean, the city was just overwhelming and so exciting. And um, so I lived in Queens and then commuted to the city. And... um but so we were there, and, the, and then when the show closed in, um, now what show was this? This is a chorus line still. Oh, chorus so line. I made the, I had an eleven year career. You know, I quit about five times, but eleven year career with this this show, which really is instrumental in what I do now. Sure. You know, when you look back on it. So when a chorus line closed in nineteen ninety, I wanted to have another child, and so my girlfriend said, "You're so good with makeup. I'm a makeup artist at Bloomingdale's. Why don't you go do that?" So I said, fine. So I went to the Lancome counter, which my mom uses, and I got hired. At at Bloomingdale's. At Bloomingdale's. And I would not be here right now speaking with you today if I didn't have that experience because I still, even though I taught myself how to sing, how to act, how to say my name, I still was very much an introvert. And if I didn't know you, I wouldn't talk to you. But Bloomingdale's and all those women that I would have these intimate conversations with while I'm putting makeup on them. And then if I didn't have somebody in my chair, I had to talk to strangers and pass out all those pamphlets or perfume or or whatever. And is now why I can 
run Salt Lake Acting Company, be the host of the theater, get to know my subscribers and my audience and have these really intimate, a kind of really great relationships without being around each other. Because yeah. of that experience. Because doing, of that experience. Doing that. Yeah. So my husband's from Chicago and he became a New Yorker in the 10 years we lived there. After I had my second child, Jeff and I were watching TV, taking care of our kids and working. And I said, we could do this in Utah and I could be closer to my family. It'd be easier to raise my children. And so this is the most ironic part of it. My dad had this lot in Bountiful that was kind of near him. And we were just starting over, basically. And so I said yes to that, thinking being an adult in Bountiful would be better. better. <laughs> so we moved back to Bountiful. And here oh, I left this street. We lived in this home in Jackson Heights, all these Swishley-type homes, Tudor homes, that the only block that was like this. My neighbors um, came, were immigrants from Ireland, from Germany, from Thailand, and we were family on this side of the block. I didn't know anybody across the street, but on our side of the block, we were family. So I moved to Bountiful, and once people did come visit, but once found out that we weren't Mormon, it felt like, you know. You became really isolated. Yeah, very isolated. I do have lovely neighbors that, as we, the years lived living there for, we were there for about 25 years that became, you know, closer to family. But I was there and um, raised my kids and near my family, near my parents, was able to take care of them when they were sick and got old and, and died. But it was when my dad died, all of a sudden I was like, what am I doing in Bountiful? <laughs> so I have moved to Salt Lake. And I live in this great block that reminds me so, it's up by the U, so much of my New York block and the relationships that I have with my new neighbors are so different. But what I learned after my parents died, one of the most important jobs out of everything I've done was to be a good daughter. I didn't know that about myself because I was the independent one. I have two older brothers and younger sister. I'm the only one that moved away. So I thought I was so independent, so not so connected to them. But um, that was a realization that was huge. Yeah. You know? Are they still here in Salt Lake? My sister lives in Bountiful and my two brothers live in Farmington, And but my parents passed away. Yeah. So um, it's probably nice there. to be close to family though. I mean, at the end of the day, you trade off all the big city life and all of that. To be close to family. Yeah. And now you love Salt Lake. Now I love Salt Lake. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Well, it's also a different city today yeah. than it was in, say, even the yeah. early 80s, say, even in the early 90s. It is. So we moved back here in 93, end of 93. When did you get involved with the Salt Lake Acting Company? So that was, so I didn't know what I was going to be doing here. I was freelancing for long home. So I would go to all the department stores and pass out perfume or do makeup artist stuff. And a friend of mine who knew me from college, oh, I, I contacted Susie McCarty, who was my talent agency when I lived here before and said, Susie, I'm back. So she starts sending me out on some commercials and a friend of mine in college saw my name in the slate. You know, he had to kind of sign in. So he wanted me to choreograph a number. He was working on a play at the Egyptian and I've never choreographed before, but I was bored and 
I said yes. And so I called my friend, how do you choreograph? So she kind of told me how to start to get involved. And then he said, I'm doing a play at Salt Lake Acting Company. It's a, a musical. Would you choreograph it? I said yes. And I ended up, at that time, Salt Lake Acting Company was going through a second kind of rebirthing. It almost closed its doors. And so at that time, there weren't that many people auditioning for the Salt Lake Acting Company. Alan Evans and Nancy Borgenick were the new leaders who write Saturday's Voyeur. So Richard had to be in the play. And so I had to kind of co-direct it. That's a whole new, I've never directed before. And um, then I, that's how I got to know Alan Nancy and they needed a choreographer for Saturday's Voyeur. So I said yes to that. And then I started choreographing for them year after year. And In 1998, they got a grant to hire someone. They hired me and Val Kittle to obtain and retain uh, 4,000 subscribers. And so I said yes to that. I didn't even know what a subscriber really was. That's amazing. You're just like, yeah, let's do it. Yes. Every opportunity that comes your way. Yes. That's amazing. And then from that on, you know, I was working administratively. And then whenever they, I now choreographed Saturday's foyer. So you've had a lot of roles with the Salt Lake. Yes. And and now what is your current role with them? My current role is executive artistic director. Which is what? For for, for somebody who's not familiar with that whole community. A lot of theaters have an artistic director and a managing director. And um, there are a few theaters like ours that have an executive artistic director or a, a producing artistic director, which kind of I handle the money side and I handle the artistic side, which I absolutely love because sometimes when you have a managing director and I want to do this play like Silent Dancer, what we're going to do next month with a cast of 10. It's a new art form where dance, the language of dance tells a story equally as words. And then kind of have to, if somebody said, well, no, because that's too expensive. I don't have that problem. Yeah. But I do have to kind of go, okay, can I raise money for this? You have Is to this possible? Yourself. Yes. <laughs> and which I absolutely love. That's I absolutely so cool. Love. Yeah. I'm, I was mentioning, I think, before we started recording, Cynthia, how we have a lot of listeners that haven't been to Salt Lake yet moving here. This is going to be a basic question, but but how would you describe the Salt Lake acting? Because it's not just, there's not just acting classes. It's it's actually, you go there for the theater, for right. to see plays like Saturday's Voyeur. Or, right. Or, or what? How would you describe it to a newcomer? So um, we produce new contemporary plays, and we have produced new contemporary plays since 1970. Ed Griska was the founder, and he's from Chicago, and then he taught school at Highland. And he and some of his students founded Salt Lake Acting Company. Back in the early 70s. Yes, doing plays that shocked People in New York going, Salt Lake City wants to do play, do that, my play, Turds in Hell? Sure. <laughs> and they also did hair when it was still on Broadway. In those days, getting rights to plays were, was easy. You know, you could just ask for it. And people were blown away that this small theater company in this conservative culture sure. was doing work like that. And we have kept that. We have kept that authentic voice. And what I love about it. And a lot of people that come from out of state, these are their words, like acting companies, a breath of fresh air. They feel that the best word I can say is that authentic voice. We we don't censor ourselves and that 
everybody is welcome kind of feeling. I've heard that uh, Salt Lake Acting Company makes living in Salt Lake City bearable. <laughs> and the audience that we have, I love them. I go to other theaters and I miss our audience. And I'm trying to put words to it. Because we're in Utah, we're not, we're kind of diverse in color, but not very much. But we are diverse in age and economic status and education. Uh, I go to some theaters that produce uh, work like we do, and they all look like middle-aged donors. They all are rich and they're old, and our our theater really has a, a, quite a diversity in in. So it's a, like it's that. a very accepting place to go if someone were to want to get involved in in acting or figure out how to join Salt Lake Theater Company. Like, is how would someone get involved? So we are a professional theater company, and we mostly produce. We don't really do acting classes. Okay. So if you are an actor, that you could contact us, and we would put you on your our email list. And then we, whenever we have auditions, we send it all out into okay. the world. And yeah. but we can give you resources of where great. Like, is it, you have a daughter? Yes. Well, yeah, yes. We, we are, well when she gets a little bit older, she should go to the youth theater at the University of Utah. Penny K. Wood is the executive director, and she directs all our children's show. So this is another thing. So we do these new contemporary works, which are mostly mature for mature audience. Right. There's language. I can't even count all the F words that have been said in that building. But, <laughs> and some people do count. They're like, how many F words are there when they call the box office? Oh, for, oh, for real? real? People yes. ask Yes. It's like they can handle like, oh, you can handle two or one, but you can't. You but know what five's I mean? okay. Six. <laughs> so in 2009, we started a professional children's theater. So we, we put on plays that I would love to have you guys come next year. It's Pete the Cat. And we put on plays uh, based on a book. So it's so exciting for a child to read a book and then see it come to life on stage. And um, and we have these wonderful Title I arts education programs where we have um, children from schools come in uh, for free to see the shows. And that's the other beautiful thing of Salt Lake City, that these schools... Okay, at this time, it could have changed, but Benjamin Elementary spoke 83 languages. I did not even know there were 83 languages existed. Wow. Washington Elementary School, which is right across the street from us, 55 languages. And so when you see this, our theater filled with all of these children that have come from all different parts of the world and right here in Salt Lake City. It makes you fall in love with the city yeah. even yeah. more. Even more. This I want to go back a little bit. You were, you were making a comment about Salt Lake Acting Company being around since the early 70s, yeah. right? Was there a lot of pushback from the local community? Was there a lot of did, was there a lot of challenges with that because you were a little more risque? It, you weren't the norm the envelope. here in Salt Lake City. And I, you know, you see things even today uh with Things and obviously, if there's any sort of change, if there's anything a little different here, people freak out. Right. What was that like back then? Well, I wasn't there, but or even the eighties, I'm right. sure, was tough. Well, Saturday's Voyeur, which uh, we have mentioned, was born in 1978, and it came out of Nancy Borgenicht and Michael Butters. Michael Butters was a return missionary, and Nancy Borgenicht's uh, family. 
is Jewish, and her parents used to write these uh, shows called Follies, I think. So they would rewrite words to lyrics and put on these shows. So Nancy got inspired by, I think it's a song from Danes at Sea, and she just started rewriting the lyrics with Utah references, and then got together with Michael Butters, and they did just what a chorus line did too. They interviewed all these people that were a part of the church, who have fallen away from the church, and then Saturday's Warrior, the movie, was just coming out. So it started as a parody to Saturday's Warrior, and everything that they put into this is all come from people, the newspaper, you know, real stuff. And the reaction to this play blew everyone away. Now, another ironic thing, I was moving, I was getting ready to leave when a friend of mine says, you have to see Saturday's Voyeur. And I'm like, no, I'm out of here. And then I've made my career out of Saturday's Voyeur is so bizarre. So I had the opportunity to see the original Saturday's Voyeur, but I'm like, no. When that came out, so the cathartic experience for so many people. They were laughing. They were crying. It was huge. There were things that were spoken in this satire that was never to be articulated, and people were living through it and living through some painful moments in their life. So it was a way to like say we're all in this together. Yeah, very. But I heard there were bomb threats. I heard there were- Just uh, from this play. Yeah. Uh, letters were written. Salt Lake Acting Company, of course, doesn't get a lot of um, corporate support because of Saturday's Voyeur. Um, then they decided to do it again. And, um, and again and, and again, again. And again. And this year it's going to be our 41st year. And we've had five generations attend a Saturday's Voyeur of a family. So it's, and it's also what's so cool too. And I think this is why we are so diverse in age too. The parents, when they're, it's a, a rite of passage when their child gets about 18, then they get to come to, to, to Saturday's Voyeur. So you see a lot of parents and children and family and it's their summer party. And there's nothing like this in the nation. And this is where we get our audience for the rest of the season as well. Isn't it rewritten every year? Rewritten new every year. That's amazing. That is amazing. When musicals take at least seven years to create. So the writers have to like reboot and start writing. And then we have six weeks to put it on. So it's really, it's amazing experience, especially for the actors. After you've been in a Saturday's Voyeur, I swear to God, you could do anything. When, uh, what time of the year is it typically? It's in the summer. Summertime. So it runs like from the end of June through September. So another interesting fact on this and Salt Lake Acting Company, after um, the Trump administration began, a ghost light project came to be. And in the theater, there's a light that you turn on when everything is dark and kind of I didn't know really know really what that was, but it is kind of to shine a light and keep it safe. As Salt Lake Acting Company, we don't have the light on the stage, but we do open the windows. So there's so there's always light and it's just kind of a thing that I was raised in. So they wanted started this project so theaters would 
say publicly and maybe become a safe place for all voices, all people, um, no matter what their color, their gender, for all. Well, Slack has always been that. But I said yes to this project, and it was a great uh, moment where we all in the nation at the same time lit a light. And so it was happening at the time uh, that we were presenting Harborgate in February. And uh, so I, in our host speech, we would talk about the Ghost Light Project. And you can also go down and write what you stand for. And we had a New York director, and she said to me, boy, it's really brave of you to talk about the Ghostlight Project to your audience. And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, I know a lot of theaters in New York that would be afraid of losing funding if they would talk about that. And I didn't have anything to say to her. And then I thought about it and I went, whoa, the beautiful thing about Salt Lake Acting Company and, and because of Saturday's Voyeur, we're so used to, oh, this isn't for you, fine. We'll find, we'll find our people. We'll find our tribe. We'll find yeah. our, our supporters. We've never like forced anybody or become anything different than who we are, which is, um, for me, incredible freedom. Exactly. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that do support us and the individual support and keep us going. And the children's show, we do now have corporate support, which is wonderful. So that's for everybody. And even our children's show, I think we, show a really beautiful, authentic side that the children really respond to. There's stuff going on there all year round, right? Yeah. Obviously, probably the website, would that be a good place yeah. to go to check out, like if they want to go see a play? Yeah, and, and go to the website. You drive by our theater. We are housed in uh, the Marmalade Hills Center, which was a Mormon ward house. It was built in 1890. It's got this beautiful Russian dome. It really is a great part of our experience. And um, we have people walking in that says, oh, I went to church here when I was a child. So and now I'm coming here for Saturday's Saturday. voyage. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we've been in that building since 1982, and it's a beautiful building. And we kind of remodeled our lobby. And at one point, when I was director of communications, uh, my office was the bishop's office. And I always wondered, woo. <laughs> what, what, what kind of stories <laughs> were told in here? Right? Yeah. yeah, so where we live is just beautiful. And so, yes, the website is a perfect place to start. Also, then call us up. Come visit us. We'll give you a tour. We'll take you around. I love it. Now, there's a few Salt Lake City-related questions we like to ask on okay. here. Um, if somebody was visiting Salt Lake City, say this upcoming weekend, what would you tell them to do or check out? Like, is there is there... I know it's kind of a vague question because a lot depends on what time of year it is, but if there's like a building or an area of town or first thing that comes to mind, is there anything? Oh, that is a hard question for me because I'm so inundated with Salt Lake Acting Company and- um, So maybe come out and check out a play. Well, yes. I mean, the the thing about- I'm wondering where the best place that says everything that's happening because so much is happening in the city that I can't keep up. I can't keep up with all the amazing restaurants. And in 1994, there were none. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just, so I even told my husband once a week, we're going to go to a new restaurant. It's so, that's a great idea. It is a great idea. I haven't done it yet, but (laughs) there's that. The food here is delicious. The music scene is amazing. 
My son is in a couple bands, and um, what bands? So he's no, in is Nick that. Fleming, and um, the one that he plays with the most is Wicked Bears. Okay, I think they're playing tonight. I can't remember where, um, but uh, so I kind of know about all the music venues and everything that's going on. There's so much music here, and then of course the art, and then the theater, and then dance, but. Geographically, there's nothing more beautiful than these mountains. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to, you must go up to the mountains. And uh, but there is an amazing nightlife, and you can get by with those stupid, ridiculous liquor laws. You can have a drink. It may take four drinks to what you're used to in San Francisco for one, <laughs> or but... pregame and then go out. Right? Yeah, right. Oh, and then get an Uber. Yeah, an Uber. exactly. Take an Uber. That's one thing we have to really tell people that just come here. Well, yeah, with the new DUI laws are ridiculous. Like, I come know. on. I could have a headache and be pulled over. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> it's like well, true. And I want to touch on that too, just a second. I don't mean to get on the DUI thing, but it's not that I'm advocating drunk driving by, right. by fighting back. It's just silly that you could barely get away with having a half a drink almost right. and, and get a DUI. Mm-hmm. It's like- Right. I, I just wanted to clarify that. The energy spent there is <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. I exactly. mean, what it yeah. was before probably was really great. You know, I don't know how many drinks we could have had. Probably at least one glass of wine. Yeah. Right? right. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. just makes people afraid to come and spend their tourism money here, which and anyway, yeah. that's a whole thing. Yes, yeah, that's a whole thing. And then also the energy to try to clean up the air, please, yeah. instead of worried about liquor. You were mentioning places to eat, how you like, you know, you want to go out to a different place. Is there... I like to ask this people that come through like one or two favorite local eating spots that they like. Yes. Is there one or two that you would recommend? Yes. So Red Iguana and especially are the artists that come visit us at Salt Lake Acting Company. They've heard of Red Iguana already from other people that have visited Salt Lake Acting Company. So Red Iguana is lovely. Of course, I love Mazza, the Mediterranean food, Red Rock, the breweries. You know, all our breweries here are really- We have uh, some good ones. We have mm-hmm. some really good ones. I love the Italian salad at Canela's. So I do have a lot of favorites that I go to, and uh, but there's so much more that I can't keep up with. And isn't that great? Well, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely great because there's yeah. just so much diversity here when it comes to food and, and new places popping up. You don't have to go to your, your regular. The only thing that sucks is you can't make it to all of yeah, them. Yeah. Right. Can't, you can't make right. it to all of them. Not enough hours in the day. Yeah. Now, what would you change about Salt Lake City if you could, or are you fine the way it is? Well, we've tapped on a little thing. I, the little bit of it, it's not a little thing, is the liquor laws. I would love to change and I would love to change the air because I have a friend, a dear friend that was in a course line with me from the beginning that um, just got out of New York. He'd lived in New York for 40 years and um, wants to do more in the theater. And um, I said, come out to Salt Lake City because there's well another thing I love about Salt Lake City. You can make and be whoever you want to be here. I truly believe that. And I'm a perfect example. And so with that, telling my friend, come here, you'll be able to, if you want to be a director, you'll be able to be whoever you want to be. And he said, why would I want to go out there with that air? Yeah. And I, that just broke my heart. That just broke my heart. I think those are the two things I would change. I love being here, living in New York where it was so diverse people, we just kind of went along our ways and we didn't have to care 
so much about things because it was so diverse and things. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be live there now. But what I love here, it's like the like-minded people find each other. People love to gather. There are beautiful organizations to be a part of. And I truly love being here, which is so bizarre from where we started this podcast when all I wanted to do is to get, get out. out. Well, we all were. I mean, even even I had to get out for a while, experience yeah. something else. And so I think that happens to all of us, but we all come back, right? Yeah. Like there's something about Salt Lake City that pulls us all back. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we all have to experience it on our own time. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've had a heck of a conversation with you, with you uh, Cynthia. And I know we just skimmed the surface with everything. I know we kind of jumped around. You've had a lot to talk about. Uh, you have a lot of roles, a lot of hats. And I can't urge our listeners enough to come and check out Solic Acting Company, support them, tell their friends about it. Because, I mean, obviously you want to fill the seats up. Right, And right. Uh, before we completely wrap this up, is there anything that you could think of that we didn't touch? You're like, oh my gosh, I got to share this story or I got to share this. I don't know. Or is there anything you want to throw out, Christina? Well, I have my final question. Well, you have your final okay. question, but but it, before we before hit that, that question, I don't know, or or not. Maybe maybe you're. There is a play that it is we're presenting right now called "The Cake" by Becca Brunstetter. That uh, she's a writer for This Is Us, and this is about uh, the TV show. Uh huh. That wow. show. So she's a writer, and that show. I don't like family dramas. I'm just like, uh. But the writing and it's so layered and so interesting that it got me. It's a good show. Yeah, very good show. Yeah. And she's done the exact same thing with this play. It's about a baker in North Carolina that that can't get herself to bake the wedding cake for a lesbian couple. And uh, Jen comes back to her hometown. Um, her mother had passed away and was best friends with the baker and asks her to bake the cake. And she's like all excited. Yes, yes. And then when she meets her fiance, uh, she's, I think I'm busy. So what, it's a beautiful thing because you see both sides of the story and you see the heartbreak in Della, the baker, and also with Macy and Jen. So Macy's from New York and she's saying these people are wrong. And Jen is like, but I am one of these people. I am. So I understand why she won't bake this cake. I get it. I think there's a lot of that. How we have to live here in Utah is kind of so we don't lose our family or our religion. We kind of have to pretend we're this way when we're really this way. So you can kind of see how Jen works with that. And then also Della and her growth and being open. So Becca Brunstetter's mother would not, she's not a baker, but is of the conservative view and would not have baked the cake. So Becca wrote this to show that these people aren't completely the devil and that there are two sides. So it's a beaut and it's so funny and heartbreaking and we're getting standing ovations and this runs through March 10th. So, okay. so it is a really great example. If you want to try us out once, this is a really good example of the work that we do and the quality of artists that live in this city. We hire um, local as much as possible, maybe like 5%. We have to go outside if I can't find it here. But the artists that are here and making their home are amazing. Do you want to throw your question out Yeah, there? here's my final question. If you could leave our listeners with one piece of life advice or a motto to keep with them, what would it be? I feel um, from what I have learned from my life is I 
if I felt like I had to know everything before I took a step to do something, I would still probably be home and bountiful doing nothing. Um, but say yes, if you kind of have a little passion for something and or, or you're you're interested, the opportunity presented itself to you because you're ready for it. So don't be afraid. Say yes and just see it where it takes you. I've said yes. And then I got my training. I said, yes, I read that book. I said, yes. Okay. What do I need to do? So, uh, and that none of us really are to where we think we need to be, you know? So don't worry about jumping in and saying yes and being open to what's next. And what I love about Salt Lake Acting Company, it keeps me growing, keeps me educated, keeps me looking outside myself even more. And then I have to catch up. I think love that's it. what I'd say. Perfect. Perfect place to end the show. Thank you so much, Cynthia, for coming and sitting You're down welcome. with us and doing the podcast. Great story. I always tell people too, you know, let's catch up maybe a couple of years down the road if this podcast is still going on, right? <laughs> Great. Yes. So, I'd love that. So thank you. Thank you. Many thanks again to Cynthia Fleming for joining us on this episode of the podcast. All the links to connect with her and find out more about the Salt Lake Acting Company can be found on our website at IamSaltLake.com slash 372. All right. Weekly recommendation time. Weekly recommendation time. Hey, this is the time of the podcast. I enjoy this. I enjoy sharing bits and pieces of my life with you guys. This is where Christina and I are going to share like a little bit of a recommendation, maybe something we've just discovered over the week maybe something we've been enjoying lately over the last month or whatever, something we want to share with you all. So I'm going to go first this week. Usually I'm the bigger man. Well, I don't know, bigger man, but I'm the gentleman. You're literally, you're literally the bigger man. Well, you're choking over there. I'm choking. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> anyway, my weekly recommendation is a book I am reading. I'm slowly getting through. I'm one of those type of people I'm reading like five books at a time. The name of this book is Be Obsessed or Be Average by Grant Cardone, which I've heard the name, wasn't familiar with his works until I started reading this book. And this book is me to a T, basically saying you got to be obsessed. There's nothing wrong with being obsessed with what you're into or what your job is or what your hobbies are. Be obsessed or you're going to be average. And who wants to be average? Not me. No. So anyways, Be Obsessed or Be Average by Grant Cardone. Check it out. We'll have a link uh, for that if you want to learn more about it at IamSaltLake.com slash 372. What is your rec recommendation over there, Christina? So my recommendation this week is also a book. And I'm blown away that you can read so many books at one time because I get completely absorbed in just one well, book. Well, I'm not reading them like at the same time. Well, right. <laughs> not literally. But, but... it's just like, what, what am I in the mood for today? Right, exactly, which is cool. But I've totally been binging. So I, f I recommended earlier a Brandon Sanderson book, and I finished that, and I was depressed. So I moved on to Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson. And I haven't gotten into the Mistborn series until now. It's so good. And if you like fantasy... This is just a great series to get into. Very cool. I'll check it out, but I don't like fantasy, so I probably will not listen. More fantasy for me. That's what I say. That's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget to support our show sponsors, Five Wise Vodka and Podcasting is Easy. We have links for all of them under our website under the show notes for this episode, which you can find at IamSaltLake.com. Hey, we love email. Shoot us a message. Say hello. If you're listening, maybe you're new here, maybe you've been listening for a while. Send us an email. We love to hear from you. Hello at IamSaltLake.com is our email address. And if you want to send us some candy or cookies or anything fun in the mail, you can always send us letters and packages at P.O. Box 4412, 
Salt Lake City, Utah, 84110. You have a great week. Get out and enjoy the city, support local, and we're going to see you on that next episode. And good night, Grammy. 